0: I'm reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verses one to three. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. I hope you're well today. It's a privilege to be with you and to be able to share the word of God today. It's been a strange week for me and uh, I guess I feel really tired and fed up of lockdown. I think I'm probably at my limit with it right now. And uh, I know that talking to others, that many of us probably feel that way right now, don't we? That it feels somehow harder than last time, harder than the one last year, maybe because the weather isn't so good or just the cumulative effects. And it, it's quite draining, isn't it? And today I just want to simply uh, share with you just a few verses just to encourage your heart. I was really blessed this week through, through reading first Thessalonians and as, as I did I just uh, some things really leapt out at me and so we decided just to put the Hebrews uh, series just on hold for a week and I just want to share with you uh, a few simple thoughts from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter one and verses one to three you know um, the background to the Thessalonian church and, and Paul's writing of this letter. Is, it's probably worth just going over that a little bit. Paul had been uh, with the Thessalonians and, and it hadn't really been a successful time of ministry. It's a place where he'd faced opposition and it came in a stage of his ministry where actually uh, things were pretty tough. In some places Paul went to, there was this amazing big response at the start but actually, as, as Paul started to move into Europe, there were some difficulties that they were facing. And his time in, in, in Thessalonica was marked by opposition and difficulty. Uh, and then later on, as he moved from there and even into Athens, the response was maybe less than he would have thought. And so it would have been quite easy for Paul to have been in a place of discouragement. And uh, the background to the writing of this letter is that we see that Paul wrote to them because of a sense of joy he felt about hearing about how they were doing. Paul had a sense of excitement that even after he'd gone on, moved on from them, that actually their church had continued to grow and the believers were uh, growing into maturity. They were doing the right things and the church looked, even if it wasn't the most successful big church, it was growing into a maturity in Christ. And so we see that Paul writes and begins uh, what by saying to them, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you grace and peace to you and i just if you've had a tough week this week i just want to say that as a church staff team we're praying for you and we're just asking that you would experience grace and peace in the midst of difficulty grace god's free and extravagant gift his enabling his equipping for your life And peace, not just an absence of war, but peace is the sense of emotional and spiritual well-being that God wants us to carry in our body, minds and spirit. My prayer for you, brothers and sisters, in the midst of difficulty, that you would know and experience grace and peace. Paul could have been discouraged, but chooses to write to them, And, you know, I do think to encourage them. And I want to say that sometimes if you're having a tough week, one of the best things you can do is choose to find a way to encourage someone else. Maybe write them a letter, drop them a note, give them a phone call. You know, encouraging someone, even when we don't feel encouraged ourselves, makes a huge difference huge difference. At the start of Thessalonians, and as the letter goes through, we see that Paul was really clear that he preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus, not just with words, but with action, with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit and with the, the backed up by a changed and transformed life. And brothers and sisters, if we're going to be faithful servants of God in the midst of a hard time, in the midst of this pandemic, let's preach the gospel with our mouths but let's live lives that speak of the reality of what we believe let's speak let's live lives that show the reality of who God is and what he's done you know we see this idea of faith and love and hope at work in these believers and it's quite interesting because the faith almost is tied to the past it's a decision they've made which has led to a transformed life. So we see the element of past in there. We see the idea of living a life of love uh, in the now, here and now, informed by the decision that they've made to follow Christ. So there's the past, the present, living a life of love. And then there's this idea of enduring with a future hope. And I want to say to you today, think back, look with hindsight at all that God has done in your life. If you're feeling discouraged, ask the Holy Spirit for insight into how to live today with the challenges that you face. But also look with foresight to the hope that God has gi- given us in Jesus. And those three things, faith, love and hope, are the marks that, that Paul really leads and points out Are are the hallmarks of that church. And I want to pray for each of us. Let's be praying that our lives are characterized by faith, by hope, and love. And that those that faith leads to good works, that the love leads to service, and the hope leads to patient endurance. Firstly, faith that is lived out. Faith that is lived out. We see there that uh, Paul writes to them of their work your work produced by faith. He speaks of work that is produced by faith. And um you know I got to thinking about this well how did Paul know what was going on in their church? It's not like he could just zoom or Skype like we could and distances were involved and The reality is that Paul had a relational connection. So even whilst not physically present, he had made a decision to invest into that relationship. It wasn't just preach the gospel and run, but there was ongoing care. Would have been exchange of letters there. And we see that Paul had sent Timothy to go and visit. And Timothy had come back with this good report of what had happened And it really struck me in an age and a setup where ongoing communication would have been difficult, Paul made the effort. And I I just got to thinking, you know, I know we can get frustrated with Zooms and not being able to see people firsthand as much as we'd like to. But you know what? Let's not give up on relational Connection. Let's invest into our relationships. And if they feel strained, maybe let's invest into them all the more. You know, even at a distance, Paul was interested. He didn't allow his own uh, personal circumstances just to dictate that. And I want to say don't end up looking down only. We are poorer if our gaze falls too heavily on ourselves. I really believe that when we when we just spend too much time introspecting, we can lose a sense of the big picture of what God is doing. I'm always really encouraged when God wants to show Abraham and call him. He says, look up and see the land that I'm giving to you. Abraham, lift up your eyes, take them off yourself. And I want to encourage each of us As tough as it might seem now, lift up your eyes and see the opportunities that we have in God. Don't allow isolation to become normal. Now, I know it's really tough if you're physically alone. Maybe if you're living on your own or not with close friends or family. But I want to encourage you, please try to find ways where it's possible. Go for a walk with somebody, you know, call someone. Try to make an effort where possible. And I know that's hard, but the relational connections really matter. Their work had been produced by a real, deep and living faith. And real faith had brought real change to their lives. Real faith had brought real change to their lives. Jesus had changed their lives they hadn't just changed philosophy they hadn't just changed religion they had encountered the resurrected Jesus through faith their lives were different they were new Jesus was now their lord and their boss and they told others about it and you know Christianity in one sense is a personal faith you can't bring someone else to the Lord through your faith they need to believe for themselves Christianity is a personal faith but it is never ever a private one Christianity is a personal faith but it's never ever a A private one there is always a change in the life of the true believer which means that inward change works out an outward change of lifestyle it works out outward change of actions of attitudes it changes our relationships if the gospel hasn't changed us then i challenged us as to whether we really and truly believed it because christianity is a personal faith but it's not a private one you know, remember back in the old days before COVID, when we had the joys of traveling in rush hour tubes and uh, the central line, which is the sweat pit. And somehow you'd always find yourself, wouldn't you, uh, up close with somebody you would hold on to one of the, I don't even know what they're called, those things you hold on to. And uh, you find yourself and somebody's there and they've got their arm holding on to this thing to stabilize them. But what that means is they've got their armpit in your face, And invariably that person would have no sense of personal hygiene, would not be using deodorant and that might be their personal choice. But it was not a private one because your face is up close with a sweaty armpit and the choice of that person may have been personal, but the consequences were public and on view and to be experienced. And it's the same with our faith in Jesus. It's personal, but it's always worked out publicly. When we encounter Jesus, we are genuinely changed. What happens personally gets worked out outwardly. Real faith in Jesus had inspired these believers in Thessalonica to faithful works and living faithfully they were maintaining faith even amidst a difficult and oppressive culture they were maintaining their faith and sharing their faith even when times got tough even in a culture that was uh, the sexual ethic was so uh, liberal it was so contrary to christian living and it would have been easy for them in times of trouble just to slip into what everyone else around them was doing And yet they maintained a Christian distinctive in a culture where their sexuality really stood out. And I'm just, I was just really aware in prayer this week, just to encourage you, watch your thoughts and your purity sexually. During a time of lockdown, maybe where we're isolated, maybe where we don't have human relationships so much. It's really easy to be watching the wrong things or or meditating on the wrong things or beginning an inappropriate relationship. And I just felt very strongly to warn you today, you know, don't allow the culture's warped view of sexuality to seep into uh, where you are, to find a place in your heart. These people resisted a culture that wanted to drag them back. And in the midst of hard times, they maintained a Christian distinctive. Real faith, though, also led them to speak faithfully of the good news of Jesus. It was backed up with good works and they were able to share Jesus with others. I believe that the church in Thessalonica actually spoke of Jesus, but lived in a way that made Uh, sense to those around them and I really want to encourage each of us especially at this hard difficult time how we react gives legs to the gospel that we speak so I want to encourage you allow your faith to be worked out with actions that are real people need to hear the gospel but they also need it to be lived out in authentic Christian community and even more so in a time of lockdown. Secondly, service that comes from a place of love. Paul writes to them about your labor prompted by love, your labor prompted by love. This gives us an understanding of the depth of the work that God had done in these believers. It changed not just their faith, but the way they lived that out. It had an impact in how they faced their day to day. It was about service prompted by love. Love informed their actions. And I want to encourage you, allow the love of God to inform how we live and respond to the season that we're in. You know, their faith was being demonstrated in difficulty. You know, they weren't living out a cool, culturally acceptable Christianity, but rather a countercultural, God-honouring life of service. And, you know, as Christians, if we truly love, then the instinct and the outworking of that is that we will serve others. But it's it's a service that's not just what comes easy. It is not convenient service. But it's a labour of love. Even that phrase, a labour of love. It speaks not just of a little bit, but a committed lifestyle of following Jesus. It's one that keeps faithful even in the face of tough times. It means that when we grow, go through hard times, when we don't feel like it, We don't stop serving others. When we have a bad day, we still want to serve our fellow brothers and sisters and we want to serve the wider community. The same God that gave the Thessalonians the ability to thrive in the midst of difficulty is able to give you the grace and peace and the empowering of his Holy Spirit so that you also can thrive in the midst of difficulty. You know, anyone can serve well when it's easy. But the real mark of the uh, authentic Christianity is that we know how to face and handle difficulty. They had maintained an attitude of service. They hadn't just been bent to the world around them. And there is such a pressure, isn't there, to bend to the culture around us. I want to encourage you. God wants to give you grace so that you are able to live out an authentic life of service when it doesn't come easily. God is able to give you the ability to stand strong. You know, I'm sure you've had them. I've had them, especially during these past months where it feels like there's a small crack in hell And every demon decides to come out and play with your life. We go through days that are tough. When we face the pain of separation and loss. When we feel let down. Maybe those that we thought would have been more supportive towards us have not been. Maybe we feel like somebody should have called us and they didn't. Maybe we feel misunderstood, lonely, vulnerable. I want to encourage you, live a life fueled by love. Don't be somebody who's fueled by revenge or don't be somebody who says, if they can't be bothered with me, I can't be bothered with them. Live a life of love. You know, loving is sometimes a labor, isn't it? It doesn't always feel good, or convenient and easy. Sometimes it can feel quite the opposite to that. I was really struck watching some of the uh, news reports this week from the London Hospital of the uh, emergency wards there and seeing staff who are not just at their wits end, some of them like they've gone beyond it, but still showing up for work. I don't think they enjoy that, but they do it because they care. They do it because it's necessary. They do it because they make a choice. As Christians, we need to live a life of love that goes beyond our feelings. Well, how do we do that? Well, firstly, it's because our love towards others and the way that we serve is prompted by love. It's prompted by love. It's not just about trying harder or being resilient but it's the transformation that love brings. It means that we can live differently because we know the unconditional love of God. We know what it is to be wanted, valued and accepted by God. We know what it is to have love expressed in the person of Jesus, that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us in our sinfulness and rebellion and in our in our utter depravity. Why? Because God loved us. And as Christians, ultimately, we only love because he has first loved us. God doesn't just love me if I'm doing well or trying hard. No, God loves me because he cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 reminds us to cast all your anxiety or your burdens onto him because he cares for you. When we know love, we walk in love. If we know and experience the love that God gives, then we are able to live a life of love. Loving others because we understand that they are made in the image of God. They are image bearers. We choose to love and serve people even when we don't feel like it because we know that they are loved by God and therefore worthy of love, of service and honour. If you're having a hard time, still try to find ways to show love to others, whether that's a phone call, a meal, taking time to listen Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Brothers and sisters, let us use the time we have to live a life of love, even when that feels like a real labor to us. Thirdly, he speaks of hope filled endurance, hope field endurance he speaks of endurance that is inspired by hope you know there's a in the midst of difficulty sometimes we simply have to endure we don't necessarily enjoy those times but we have to make the choice to endure to carry on to not give up and what sustains us in those times is hope From the context of Thessalonians we can see that they really had embraced this sense of hope of Christ's return and ultimately that's what we live for as Christians. Not a sense that everything's going to be fine in the here and now but that Christ will return and we will meet with him and then he will right all wrongs. That he will return. Our hope isn't even just in a better society in the here and now it's great when we can bring social change we need to in some senses work for that but our hope is in the return of Christ these these early believers in Thessalonica had such a sense of Christ's imminent return that they were worried that maybe it happened and they'd missed it or they were worried that maybe Some of them who died somehow would already miss out on Christ's eternal kingdom. They lived with the reality of hope. And I want to encourage you to live in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of difficulty, with the reality of hope. Hope gives us security in an insecure world. It offers reality in an insincere world. It offers eternity In a world that lives for the here and now, the hope that we have is a reminder of the future justice because Christ will return. He will judge the living and the dead. It means that I have a trust in the eternal justice of God. I don't have to say there is no justice because I know ultimately there is justice in Christ. And when he returns, we will see Justice. But also, it means if we believe that Christ will return and reign in the kingdom of justice, we are inspired to live lives that point to the future justice that God will bring when Christ returns. So we live as children of hope. We live differently in the light of that. When we live as a multicultural community in a world awash with racial prejudice and with racial tension, we live as children of hope. We live as those who say we believe that there is a kingdom that outlasts this. We believe that there is a future justice and we get to, in one sense, to model and to live something of the justice of God in the here and the now. When we share what we have, when we refuse to hoard wealth in the face of billionaires accumulating untold wealth. We live as a prophetic reminder of a justice to come, of the return of Christ. You see, hope produces endurance. If, it, if hope didn't produce endurance, I would despair at the injustice in this world. I would despair at seeing people having to use food banks. I would despair at, at seeing the brokenness, at seeing people quarrel over who gets what vaccine first. But I know that there is a God who is just and when Christ returns, he will ultimately bring justice. And we live now as those who prophetically foreshadow that to the world around us. The hope that, that Jesus gives us isn't just for a changed now, but it is the sure and certain expectation that Christ will return It's a certainty that is sure. We are his for eternity. When you face difficulty this week, remember Romans 8, verse 35 to 39 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any power, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Brothers, sisters, cling to those verses, that hope that whatever we know, whatever experience we go through, however lonely or isolated we may feel, however frustrated we may feel, nothing, nothing can separate us. Why? Because we have an eternal hope. We heard the other week that that hope is an anchor for our souls. The endurance of the Thessalonian church, their modelling, their living out of faith and hope and love was bringing glory to Jesus and seeing others come to Christ. In closing, I just want to say to you, the way that we live speaks of the hope that we have. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And my prayer for you, for each of us is that as we live in faith and hope and as we and love and as we endure in hope, that we would be provoking questions in others asking us, how can you have that hope? Friends, this is a time and a season. For the harvest. It's a time and a season to bring others to Christ. And so as we close today, I want to encourage you know the faith, the hope, and the love that is in Christ, but live lives that provoke questions in others. As we come to worship, Richard is going to lead us in worship now. I just want to pray for each of us. Father, I want to pray that you would uh, fill each of us with your spirit. Lord, help us to go Uh, today as people filled with faith and hope and love. And Lord, I pray that our lives would provoke questions to those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen.